What is up, diehards? Wes Monell, Andrew LaQuesta in the building for AWOL Sports. Week three takeaways, another exciting week of football. Can't believe we're almost a month through this thing. And uh, in the picks, I went 11-4-1 last week. Drew, you went 7-8-1. And, and I got to admit, my poor pick of the week was the Raiders. They got blown out, man. Uh, what was your poor pick of the week? Um, it's funny because I actually put money on the Niners to win, but I did choose on our preview the Giants to take the win. I mean, backup after backup, didn't really think the Niners would, would be there, and I saw some good things from Daniel Jones. I just uh, – <laughs> I don't know where I was on opposite sides of the spectrum there, but, man, San Francisco took it to almost a full roster for the Giants, man. That was – crazy what a game they really did man they handed it to them and uh did you notice anything in week one uh across the league yeah man upset special i mean, looks like fourth quarter leads third quarter leads there's a lot of comebacks man so good job to those teams coming from behind yeah they they fought they didn't quit they did their thing we'll dive into those uh couple things I noticed, I kind of have this tracker going for the Packers and the Ravens, who were the only teams to score in every quarter the first two weeks. They did it again. The streaks are still alive. Every single quarter, Packers and Ravens have scored. Uh, another thing, four teams scored under 20 points this week. Denver, the Chargers, the Jets, and the Giants. Uh, three AFC teams there. Clearly, we know the NFC is a little bit stronger. Uh, and then only three games around the league did not have a milestone stat. Uh, what I mean by milestone, it, it's being a 300-yard passer or 100 yards rushing or 100 yards receiving. Three games did not have either one of those, and that was the Tampa Bay-Denver game, the Indianapolis-New York Jet game, and the Miami-Jacksonville game. So I found those things to be interesting uh, looking across the board. Uh, did any of those uh, take you off guard there? Yeah, the crazy thing is out of those games, I mean, Tampa Bay, that was a pretty decisive win. Indianapolis was a pretty decisive win, and so was Miami. So for them not to have a 300-yard passer or 100 yards from one of the skill positions, that's pretty that's – pretty, Interesting, I would say. That's true. That is a good point. Uh, all right, man. Let's dive into the games here, starting off with the Monday Nighter. The Chiefs at Ravens. Kansas City put on a clinic, man, 34-20. to 20. This is why I keep saying I need to see more from the Ravens offense. Part Lamar Jackson, part Ravens receivers. The good news, though, they won't run into too many teams like the Chiefs with that firepower. But I will remind you that they lost to the Chargers and the Titans in the playoffs. I'm still not sold. As for the Chiefs, all they needed was their 21-point second quarter to seal the deal. It's been their best quarter. It, it was their highest-scoring quarter against the Texans in week one. That, that's, they just make the adjustments after feeling you out in the first, I guess. Uh, second half, the Ravens actually won 10-7. to They hung in there. They battled. I look at the backfield, not the most popular of the three, but Gus Edwards, I thought in the offseason he would sign elsewhere. 
he looked like their best running back to me right now, to be honest. Of course, I think Mark Ingram is solid. J.K. Dobbins probably in store for a good career. Right now, though, I'd, I'd like to see Edwards get some more carries. Uh, back to the Chiefs here. Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, and the offense deserve all the love they'll get this week from the media. They were masterful against a team most think has the best chance to knock them off in the AFC. So Chiefs are just too good for them. Beat them last year as well. Uh, although I don't want to overlook Harrison Butker missing his only extra point attempt and a chip shot field goal. He did make four of them, but perhaps it's something to pay attention to because kicking matters. The game, it was more out of hand than the score suggests. I know you, you would probably agree. Uh, I will shout out to Devin DuVernay, that kicker turn. He took it to the house. That was pretty cool. I love me some special teams. But with that said, it means the Baltimore O only put up 13 points, man. It wasn't pretty for them. Yeah, that's uh, was pretty pretty lopsided. And it was obvious that the Chiefs were the better team, the much better team that night. A couple things I noticed to touch on uh, your take is Lamar, Lamar Jackson in the pocket. His eyes dropped way too early in the pocket. It looks like he was just going with one read and then he was out. Uh, Chiefs did the smart thing. They took away a lot of his first reads. They forced his scrambles to the sideline. So they came in waves starting from center out using the sideline as their friend. That worked great. A um, lot of miscommunication errors on the Baltimore defense. Receivers were just wide open for the Chiefs. Um, one thing to look at, I know everyone knows about Mahomes already. There's, there's no secret in Mahomes being a great player. But I want everyone to just look at how ridiculous his arm talent is. I know it was prime time, but if you missed it or missed any chunks of those plays, just pay attention to some of the platforms that he's throwing from. His feet are often not set and he's throwing from enough arm angles to break any defense. This guy is just straight-up magic. True story, man. Pat Mahomes doing his thing, looking for another MVP. Uh, but, hey, there's some other QBs that want to get in that race. Primetime matchup between future Hall of Fame quarterbacks with Super Bowl aspirations. Not going to lie. Green Bay at New Orleans. I was impressed how Drew Brees bounced back. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. No Devontae Adams. I know Drew Brees didn't have Michael Thomas either. They both did their thing over three hundo. How'd you see this game? Yeah, the Packers, they proved once again that this team is for real. This time, facing a tough defensive team, match with a potent scoring offense, and on the road. With Devontae Adams out, Aaron Rodgers held under or Aaron Jones held under 70 yards rushing. Rodgers found a way to connect with Alan Lazard the entire game, 146 yards and a touchdown. Nothing new for Rodgers. He was throwing darts all over the field. He was on the money all night. And Saints actually outgained the Packers through the air and on the ground. Breeze made a nice throw through traffic in the back of the end zone to Manuel Sanders, obviously with Michael Thomas missing. And that honestly pretty much capped his highlight reel for the night. Kamara was making defenders miss all night. He was the show converting two of Drew's checkdowns into touchdowns. Um, behind Alvin's 13 receptions, though, the next viable receiver didn't have more than four catches. So now, through three weeks, 65% of Drew Brees' pass yards have come from after the catch, yards after the catch. Make of that what you will. The Saints are also uncharacteristically the second worst team in the NFL 
in committing penalties. Something's just not right there. I know Michael Thomas is a huge loss, and I think they're just kind of they're just kind of lost. This offense looks confused. They look like Michael Thomas or bust. A Michael Thomas led team. Weird to think, weird to say about a wide receiver, but that it's what you're alluding to. That's what I see. Uh, difference in that game, Green Bay scores the only fourth quarter TD to one up New Orleans. They pulled off that victory. Uh, moving along, the NFC playoff rematch from two years ago where Dallas edged out the Seahawks 24 to 22 in week three, saw a different result. Uh, Seattle lets Russ cook and continues to force turnovers to win 38 to 31. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, they're on fire. The receivers both topped 100 again. Wilson, he's got 14 TDs, where the rest of his division combined has 14 as well. That's ridiculous. And this is a double-digit win if Metcalf doesn't ease up on that would-be touchdown. You all saw that. He pulls a Deshaun Jackson-like play. We know he won't make that mistake again. I have him in fantasy. He got me enough. I won't complain this time around. On the other side of the ball, Seattle's defense. They're honestly not anything special, but they do one thing. They find a way to make plays. They got a safety, three turnovers, and 11 hits on Dak Prescott, nine passes defended, six tackles for a loss. They, they, they're finding ways to get the job done defensively, even if they're allowing a ton of points every week, which they are, but they do come away with key injuries. Chris Carson and Jamal Adams, although not long-term, it's just not great to see those two go down, two of their most key players. Uh, Prescott, on the other hand, he launches 400-plus yards in back-to-back -back weeks. Playing from behind will do that. So I think the jury is still out as it pertains to a long-term extension. It is a good thing to see him use his legs consistently. That's what I wanted to see. He's been doing that the past two weeks. I hope he keeps that part up. But he's got to clean some other things up. Him and that O-line, they haven't been as crisp as they'd like to be. And uh, here's a good sign. They remembered Michael Gallup, the forgotten receiver. He scored early in the fourth. His 138 yards led the team, and it's more than his 108 combined in the first two games. It's like they forgot he eclipsed 1,000 yards last season. Kind of silly. A little too happy maybe with the rookie. I don't know what it is, but the, his teammates still did, did their thing. Amari Cooper, 86 yards. CeeDee Lamb, 65. But out of nowhere, Cedric Wilson pops for 107 as they played more 10 personnel in catch-up mode. Dallas puts up the yards, man. We've seen it last year. We're already seeing it this year. But we know that's not really the problem. Uh, the, the only standout I see on the other side of the ball for them, Alden Smith, man. He's going off after a few years away from the game. Three sacks in this one. Talk about a comeback player of the year candidate. Good for Alden Smith, dude. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I had Michael Gallup last year on uh, on fantasy so it was nice for to see him bounce back and get a 100 plus game i think part of me feels like it was by design kind of like what the bills did with Diggs, and then focusing on other receivers against the rams this week i think i was by design knowing that they were going to prepare to be on the road 
against the Seahawks. They had to show something else the first two weeks and then come back to Gallup in the third. So, I mean, hats off to Dallas for, for staying in the game. They just didn't have enough to have it in the end. A um, couple of things that popped out at me is the final drive. The final drive for us, we saw patience. We saw him poised in the pocket, scrambling with his eyes downfield. Obviously, just so good at extending plays, and he was super accurate. Dak, on the other hand, was pretty inaccurate on that final drive. Couldn't really avoid pressure as well as Russ did. I know he's known as a mobile quarterback, but in some and sometimes he does run towards the wrong direction over his shoulder, spinning to his offhand. Um, then he throws a Hail Mary-like pick when it was third down and still 16 seconds left. So still looks like there's an uphill battle for Dak Prescott. He's still got some room to grow, and I think that's exactly why he's got franchise tags instead of a contract. Quick question off of that. So Andy Dalton's the backup, right? And I know he's on a one-year deal, just like Dak Prescott is essentially. It's the NFC East. They're one and two, and there's no concern about anybody in that division pulling away at this point in time. Does that still stop Dallas from making a change if they come to their conclusion that Prescott is the issue? Yeah, I mean, we, we've known we've known Jerry to make splash moves, and I don't think he's afraid at any moment at any point of the year to make a change. Uh, not that it's all up to him, but, uh, I mean, everyone knows he has one of the loudest voices in that room and in that front office. So I wouldn't be surprised. I just don't think they have the balls to do it. I mean, Dak – it's not 100% on Dak. It's it's a lack of weapon, weapons. It's a lack of uh, consistency on defense, too. And then at the same time, you have a new coaching staff when one of your coordinators is, what, 31, 32 years old, one of the youngest coordinators in the league. So they do well as far as yards and points, but when it comes down to it, when it's really needed, they can't get over that hump. I don't think it's 100% on Dak, but at the same time, I don't think him in that position for what they're asking him to do is 100% what will – get this team to succeed I think he needs a perfect scenario of talent and weapons offensively and defensively to seriously take a shot at making a run in the playoffs fair enough fair enough thought I'd pose the question since we did see another quarterback change that we'll touch upon in a few moments over kind of closer to your heart here man Buffalo goes up big early but they blow the lead the Rams storm back in the third quarter and Buffalo, they wind up winning on the last drive by a field goal. Well, 35 to 32 is the final score. I saw that game, man, and I was looking and I, I wasn't, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, we both picked the Rams to win this game, and they didn't whittle. They didn't just go away. They showed a lot. Um, that, that matters to me. I know there's, there's that group that doesn't believe in moral victories. I'm not saying this is one of those, but you like to see the fight at the very least. You don't like to see people lay down uh, when the going gets tough. Rams fought back, but the, the Bills, Josh Allen, I mean, you'd have to think after three weeks, it's not a lot of football, but we only have three weeks to look at. You got to think the MVP race at this point in time so early is between Russell Wilson and Josh Allen, right? Oh, 100%. 
I love Josh Allen too. I definitely love him as a prospect. And I think he took a huge step this year with his coaching staff. So great top, great job to them. Shout out to an almost perfect game plan for Sean McDermott and his staff. You rarely see this Rams offense struggle to put up points for an entire half. So that's pretty impressive there. Offensively, they fooled Los Angeles. Uh, Diggs was all over the highlight reels for weeks one and two. So they set us up. They set up rookie Gabriel Davis for a nice target share, and it paid off. Uh, He made some great plays, some nice sideline catches, and they focused the rushing attack right at Aaron Donald. That's a great way to slow down an aggressive pass rusher, run right at him, and they did that using a lot of double teams. And aside from his late heroics, earning the sack, strip, and recovery, Donald was mostly quiet. So was Ramsey. They actually lulled Ramsley to seat with the minimal targets to Diggs, and they caught him off guard when he least expected it for a touchdown, short touchdown in the end zone on a double move. Um, But the Bills defensively, they contained the Rams running backs to the inside. They took away Goff's flats and first reads. The Rams just came out flat. They looked more repetitive than creative in that first half. The only thing working was the uh, inside runs, inside gut runs, Got some chunk yardage with Daryl Henderson there, but you got to give credit to the way that Los Angeles State committed to the run. Even in the second half, down 25 points, the jet sweep started to ch- started to change the game. They were moving the Bills' defense, opened up some passing lanes for Goff, and it came down to the last possession. But the Bills made sure it was in their hands at the end. Josh Allen, another superb performance, and he was money on that final drive. He overcame a huge sack an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and a third and 20 T third and 22. So yeah, they, they definitely deserve to win. Do I agree with the pass interference call at the end? No. Do I think it costs us the game? Absolutely not. And I'll say that over and over again, as a Rams fan, the Rams had plenty of opportunities to win that game. They had no business being down 25 points, even on the road against a great team, 25 points is too much. So calls, from the refs, they're always going to come and go. There's going to be disagreements every game, every week. But the Bills earned every bit of that win. Indeed, man. And got to show some love to some guys that cracked the 100-yard mark. Daryl Henderson, like as you stated, in the backfield. Cooper Cup as well over on the winning side. Cole Beasley hit 100 yards. And then we saw a, a standout performance from Gabriel Davis. Didn't get the hundo mark, but just wanted to shout him out. Four for 81. He had a big 39-yard play. And um, not going to lie, I thought this game was going to be a little bit more defensive than it <laughs> It turned out to be the exact opposite. Um, all righty. Moving on to another game, a pair of AFC teams. Houston at Pittsburgh. The Steelers pitched a second-half shutout for the dub, 28-21. to I'm starting with defense here. T.J. Watt is so good probably my defensive player of the year in this short season so far. Completely read a shotgun reverse play and blasted Cooks. Had a fourth quarter sack, one of five in the game for the Steel Curtain defense. The Steelers offensively, their bread and butter, and I rewatched this game a couple times, their bread and butter is running off tackle. It didn't matter who the running back was, but, you know, for the most part, it's James Conner. But, man, running off tackle, even when – defenders are in the right position it just works for the Steelers man uh it's one of the the few plays by a team that stands out to me that works 60 percent of the time every time kind of thing 
just ridiculous, dude. So, and then it all starts with Big Ben Roethlisberger. He's still a tough SOB. He scrambled to the right for a short gain, diving, giving it his all for a first down. He didn't get there. He it was a fourth and inches that they eventually converted. But I love seeing that man. Another year older, and he's not timid. He's he's not trying to chill out. He's trying to do his thing, trying to keep playing football, trying to win. And he puts his body on the line, stands tall in that pocket consistently still. What I like, Eric Ebron is starting to play like I thought he would in this offense. He scored a touchdown, a short one to the right, and he showed up on third down on their first drive in the fourth. Those are two big plays for Ebron. That's a guy they need to get in rhythm. I think he's perfect for Big Ben. And then Chase Claypool, the rookie, he's been making a splash play every week. He, he even picks up a penalty for you every week. He may not be making every play that comes his way, but the early signs are there, and I think they're going to be very happy with that pick. I think it's pretty obvious. And then for Houston, Deshaun Watson consistently, he waits too long. Uh, I, I'm watching these plays, and – he has his first read there. He has guys that are shallow that are open. Uh, I'm not going to put it all on the offense and uh, uh, on the offensive line. I'm not going to put it all on a couple new receivers, even though Randall Cobb had himself a game. I mean, it's kind of like a point guard in basketball that makes late passes sometimes. The ball winds up in the wrong spot or it gets tipped and the play just doesn't work out. That's what I'm seeing with Watson so far. And, a lot of you may not think so, but if you watched week one, Duke Johnson returning, it should give this offense a boost. I mean, we're talking about a team that's usually in the playoffs. He was involved week one. They ran two running back sets. They're going to get him the ball, even with David Johnson on the field, because that's what they need. They need something else on that offense. Uh, I mean, they've only scored 20 points, 16, and 21 in three weeks. They could use anybody at this point. Um, defensively is where they're really struggling. Uh, I mean, they're allowing, they've allowed 34 points, 33 and 28. That's just a lot of points. You, you can't ask your offense to win any games like that every week, at least, uh, the silver lining, they did play the chiefs, the Ravens and the Steelers, some of the better teams in football. So who knows, maybe it was just tough matchups, uh, and a tough schedule to start the year. We'll see if J.J. Watt and company can turn things around. Uh, did you catch anything in that one? Yeah, you're right, man. As you started to mention it week one and two and a little bit uh, off the air here. And I've noticed it. Deshaun Watson, yes, at times doesn't really get his first or second read correctly. And he just turns into running back mode. So I do still think – the offensive line isn't winning as much as they should in pass protection, but I think De uh, Deshaun Watson could still be an asset to the offensive line instead of a liability. Hmm. That's a good point, man. Good observation. All right. Just win. <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders are riding high. Primetime win over the Saints and all. They run into the New England Patriots who dominate the second half to win 36 to 20. And I believe you rewatched this game, huh? 
Yeah, definitely, man. This was on my blowout alert. This was uh, my blowout potential of the week. I had a feeling the Patriots would make a statement game out of this matchup, and we guessed right. New England prevailed playing keep away all game. They kept it on the ground for 250 yards and two touchdowns and stole the ball away from Carr and Jacobs three times off of fumbles, plus 10 minutes on time of possession. It was classic Belichick all night. They took away Darren Waller, and they send all 11 of their defensive players at Josh Jacobs when he took the handoff. Uh, great tackling overall. When I, when I rewatched this game, it was only I, – I think I only counted one or two missed tackles from the Patriots' defense. So they did it as a team. Great angles. Um, the Pats barely had the edge on total yards. They were awful on third downs, actually. But once again, they threw it up. They played running back roulette, and Burkhead got the one, got the win, and he delivered three touchdowns. It just really came down to the execution of their game plan. Carr outplayed Cam, so I still believe Carr is a lot better of a quarterback than people think or people believe him to be, but st- still finished with 117 rating, two touchdowns, no picks. It was just mainly the two lost fumbles that tainted his performance. Josh Jacobs doesn't hinder what we think of him as a back moving forward. Still one of my favorite backs. He ran pretty well, almost four and a half yards per carry, but he too lost a fumble. It's difficult to overcome a near perfect game plan like that against Bill Belichick and his, and his defense. Someone else on this Las Vegas offense has to emerge as a threat. Ideally it should be two players, but I think it's going to be Renfro. I think Renfro has the talent. He showed a little bit in this game, but will it happen this year? I'm not exactly sure. Can't really bank on it, but we'll see. True story, man. Name of the game is usually turnovers. And I will say, I will say, if if Henry Ruggs is in this ball game, I think it's a little bit different, to be honest, but I cannot take anything away from the Patriots who – they showed up to work and they they handled business, man. That business as usual for New England, so it seems. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the point on Derek Carr. I think he's playing great ball right now. Uh, you know, you're going to have some turnovers. You're going to have some bad throws. Any quarterback does. And, hey, thanks for showing some love to, to D.C. because he is better than most people are. Be, you know how it is, man. He's not mentioned in quarterback conversations, not even in that second tier. Um, He's not even mentioned in the third tier oftentimes. So we're going to keep beating that Derek Carr drum until he proves he shouldn't, it shouldn't be beaten anymore. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, that Sony Michelle play is probably not going to happen again all year, maybe one other time, Uh, (laughs) but good for Sony. I mean, they have three different backs involved that three different backs that got double digit touches when you include receptions as well. Um, Hey, Panthers got a recipe, man. That's cam three different backs, run the ball, get a little creative. Uh, They might be better than, than we thought. Um, Do they look playoff bound to you? Uh, I'm not going to go that far yet. I'm I'm still sticking true. I think in moments like that where they're 100% focused and they have a great game plan against a team that's emotional off a big-time win, first game in their own stadium, prime time, 
um, talking about the Las Vegas Raiders. So I think they took advantage of that. Bill Belichick, obviously masterful at game plans. But I think throughout the year, we saw a little bit of it this game. Like we said, we talked about Carr outplaying Cam Newton. I think that's going to happen a lot. I know Cam could make things happen. And he looked sharp the first two weeks. And he's hard to defend. But... He has been in this league for a while, so there's a lot of tape on how to slow him down. And I think eventually this not-so-dynamic offense will unfold, and they're just going to be scrambling for ways to make their offense different. But by that time, I think a lot of teams in the AFC have already made their mark. I think they're going to struggle still to make the playoffs. Interesting, because I agree. (laughs) I just do. Um I mean, I know it's still Bill Belichick. Uh, I, I think they have a good recipe for them. I, I, I think they like their identity. I know they're two and one, but I 100% agree with you. I, I'm still not buying it in the long run. Uh, over to a team that knocked out the Patriots last postseason, Tennessee at Minnesota. The Titans come back 31-30, man. Uh, Both teams in this game had double-digit first downs through the air, double-digit first downs on the ground. So they kind of had their way, but only a combined seven for 23 on third downs. So, I mean, the defense stepped up when they needed to, um, even if the score doesn't reflect that. Uh, Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins, the two QBs in this one, I think they're a lot alike. I look at Tannehill. Look, I'm always going to take credit for supporting Tannehill from day one. <laughs> uh, this guy has – he's has full control of this offense, man. He is spot on in play action. And that's part of why we both have them making the playoffs for that reason. Also, just when we expected Stefan Gostowski to get cut after that Monday night opener, he drills six field goals in this one. Three straight game-winning kicks to begin the year. I think it's pretty cool to see a former Pro Bowl kicker find his groove again. As for Minnesota, Dalvin Cook, he might be the smoothest runner in the league with Christian McCaffrey. I know in fantasy football, I'm not really a Dalvin Cook guy. That's really just me trying to avoid what I consider a headache player. But Dalvin Cook on that field, man, he, he's proven it. If he gets through this year, which there's a lot of football left, then I'll buy in because then I've seen back-to-back years put together. He'll probably get get that um, – I don't know. He'll probably get that Pro Bowl. And, you know, if, if Dalvin Cook is as good as people think he is, he should have Minnesota winning games similar to how Adrian Peterson did, at least for a couple of years. Um, the good thing, he got help from rookie Justin Jefferson. He popped off, nearly had a 200-yard performance with a long touchdown – Thanks to his yak ability, just ex, just created that separation, outran the defender, hit the end zone. We saw Justin da- Jefferson dance again when Adam Thielen scored. Um, the bread and butter play for many, uh, Kirk Cousins hitting Thielen in the corner of the end zone on the strong side. Look, we'll see as it pertains to Jefferson if that is something he can sustain. I'm not referring to 175 yards, but we'll see if, you know, him playing well is something that he's going to do consistently in a run-first offense 
or if Minnesota simply caught Tennessee off guard. Um, I do want to shed a little light on Khalif Raymond. Uh, he only had three grabs, but 118 yards. He had that long 61-yard play. Uh, I bring him up because there was a lot of t Titans beat reporters bringing this guy up in the offseason. So I kind of eyeballed it and like, okay, that you know, if his name pops up, I'll show him some love. And here we are. Um, do you think, Drew, that Justin Jefferson's going to maintain consistency in this offense? Or do you think this was, you know, kind of him showing out in a game that the Titans really didn't see anything out of Jefferson in the first two games? No, I think that he's actually built for it. We saw him do it plenty of times in LSU, and LSU doesn't play any cupcakes. LSU in the SEC faces a top 25 team almost every week, and he carried that offense in the passing game, and he always, always rose to the big occasion. Um, I think it's really up to Cousins. Uh, so I think if the chemistry works out, it's all up to Cousins. He's that kind of talent Jefferson is to take you deep. He could win one-on-one -on -one coverage. He could sit in a zone, and his catch ability and his catch radius is pretty insane for his size. So I think he's the exact talent that Minnesota needs. The question for me is just more on Cousins. Hmm. I, I think uh, I see that. I think most of us do as well. All righty. Uh, another battle between NFC teams here, Detroit at Arizona. The Lions actually snapped the 11-game losing streak if you go back to last season. I know there was no Matthew Stafford there. But as for this year, this is their first win on the year, first loss for the Cardinals. The final score was 26-23. to 23. Look, um, AP has taken full command of this backfield, uh, if not by yards per carry. By getting 22 carries on the day. So, I mean, the Lions, it seems like they made their decision on carry on Johnson, uh, kind of being just a second fiddle player, change of pace player. Uh, and then, but yeah, we saw both quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, they both get 270 yards and two touchdowns. The difference was Kyler Murray had three picks. Uh, Drew, what did you see in this game, man? Uh, I know that we both had the Cardinals winning this one. Yeah, this was actually a pretty good matchup. These were two evenly matched teams. It was pretty fun watching both veterans and newcomers make highlight plays. Statistically, these teams were close to identical, but unlike the young gun Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, and the Lions committed zero turnovers. On top of that, they played well closing out both halves like good teams should. They were outscoring Arizona 20-6 to six in the second and fourth quarters combined, holding a shutout in the fourth quarter specifically. Stafford was accurate. He was sensing the pressure very well in both those final drives in the second quarter and fourth quarter. Hats off to Marvin Jones. And you mentioned AP, or let's just call him AD, all day, man. This guy just never seems to slow down year after year. That's exactly why. He's one of my favorite running backs ever, right behind LaDainian Tomlinson. Um, he had the biggest offensive gain of the day. He's like 59 years old or something like that. But those two made big plays and big moments. Tackling was really poor for the Cardinals. So um, they, need to, they need to fix that. 
poor tackling against any team is not going to win you games, but they did enough in this game to keep it close. Of course, throwing three interceptions isn't pretty, but that's part of the learning curve for a QB who just turned 23 last month. Even with a loss, though, Arizona had more first downs, rushing yards, and the same amount of third and fourth down conversions, and they gave up less sacks. I mean, it does help to have a football Houdini in the pocket, Kyler Murray, but two of those interceptions from Kyler gave Detroit great field position. That's a recipe for a loss. He'll learn from that. I still believe in Kyler Murray's ability to come back. I mean, this guy looks relaxed and doesn't look like anything phases him. I think he bounces back a lot quicker than we uh, have seen other quarterbacks, young quarterbacks bounce back. Um, One of those interceptions was converted for a touchdown. But if you look at, if you look past the interceptions, Kyler was throwing dimes all over the field, never looked rattled. The D hop and Kyler chemistry is off to a hot start. I'm not going to own up and say I was completely wrong. Um, It is a lot of highlights and it is a lot of targets and catches early in the year that could be game planned against, but it's looking super hot. They're very accurate. Um, D-Hop looks different from, from watching him last year. I know we talked about it during the year last year and in the offseason, spe- uh, specifically for fantasy implications, but he looks a lot different. He looks like he has a pop in his step. Looks like he wants to be there mainly, I guess, is what it is. But this could be one of DeAndre Hopkins' best years. They're looking like they can rival some of the top quarterback wide receiver duos in the NFL. I still have high hopes for this offense. They're not even 20 games yet total played in the system. I think Arizona showed a little more than what I would like Detroit out of a win. So I'm still on Detroit um, making a run at the playoffs, but I think Arizona still with a loss showed a lot of good things. Yeah, and, you know, I have them in the playoff picture. So, uh, not you know, one and two is not great, but it's so early in this season. Uh no, nobody should be discouraged on their teams right now at this point in time, even if it looks bleak. Believe me, I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, but one last thing on this Cardinals game, Lions game. Yeah, you're right about the hot start, man. DeAndre Hopkins, 10 of 12 targets. He caught 10 of those for 137. On the other side, Kenny Gall, they return to the lineup. He gets a touchdown. And then just want to throw some shine on Jeff Okuda, the rookie. He got an interception. And as for the other two picks, former Patriot players, Matt Patricia brought over with him, Deron Harmon and Jamie Collins Sr. Making turnovers, man. It's not surprising who the players are that are actually making plays for Detroit. Um, And then, yeah, I'm not discouraged by Arizona. I thought this was a perfect barometer game for both teams. And it turned out to be exactly what we thought. Uh, Maybe not the result, but not surprising. In the least. Uh, all right, man. I'm, I'm going to beat another drum. This time it's not the Derek Carr drum, but it is another quarterback. Tampa Bay handled Denver in the first half. They cruised 28-10. to 10. Another week where Tom Brady looks good. Some kinks to iron out. Yeah, sure. But he ain't done yet, guys. He is not done. I'm going to remind you every single week because all I heard was he's washed. That was just something popular to say because of his age or because you don't like him or didn't like the Patriots is what it is. I'm 
that that's that's how I'm I'm gonna say it because that's what's true. I really see Tampa Bay clicking as the season progresses. And after all, I have them as a representative for the NFC this year. So I'm not surprised that they're still able to win games while they're still figuring things out. And they actually look to be ahead of the curve. They were supposed to lose week one. That was New Orleans at home, a team with camaraderie, like you mentioned, Drew, back in our week one preview. So that wasn't surprising. Since then, they're winning. Uh, Ronald Jones, he actually led the backfield this time around. It wasn't Leonard Fournette. I did jump to a conclusion uh, based off Jones's uh, benching last week due to a fumble, but it seemed like it was just a in-game uh, benching, so to speak. Uh, he he led the backfield. Chris Godwin, it was nice to see him on the field. He scored early. Uh, I know he missed last week with a concussion. Unfortunately, he left this game with a hamstring, and he's going to miss more games. Uh, you know, the guy that stepped up this week that could have played a little bit better in week two, Scotty Miller. He paced the offense with 83 yards. While interestingly enough, Mike Evans, I guess he did a lot with the little. When you look at his stat line, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. So that was kind of funny to see. Uh, Tampa's defense, I like it a lot, man. They teed off. I know it's the Broncos. I know it was a backup quarterback. But 10 hits, eight sacks, two INTs. And they're led by some veteran afterthoughts. Uh, 31-year-old JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul. 33-year-old Indomitian Sue. Late bloomer Shaq Barrett, he wraps up his first two sacks on the year. Look, they had Jeff Driscoll running for his life, who's filling in for Drew Locke. I mean, he was running for his life. Melvin Gordon didn't have anywhere to go. I mean, there was some positive. There's a late touchdown to Tim Patrick, who's kind of filling into the Cortland Sutton role. Um, and then, you know, they're going to need more from their rookie wideouts. So Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler, they combined for eight receptions, 85 yards on 91 snaps. I mean, that doesn't sound efficient or impressive. I know there was a backup. Offense is struggling. They're learning. But they're going to need a lot more on 91 snaps than what we saw in week three. Uh, defensively, I think Denver's D deserves credit, man. Um, not only for the first couple of weeks, but in this game as well. They're, they've suffered so many injuries. And in the second half of the game, they weren't even in. They only allowed a field goal. So, I mean, I really like Denver's defense despite the injuries. Vic Fangio deserves a lot of credit. Um, he's kind of going through the ringer there. And then um, I'll shed a little bit of light on Shelby Harris. He notched a couple of sacks on Tom Brady there. Uh, what do you think of this one uh, when, you, when you watch Tampa Bay? Yeah, I agree with the defense. Nothing really new, nothing really too exciting on our side, especially with the predictions of us uh, backing the Buccaneers as one of the hottest playoff teams or the one of the hottest improved teams over the year. But uh, Denver was pretty great on defense. I mean, for as much as Tampa Bay had the ball, I mean, they only had 70 yards rushing, under 300 yards passing for Tom Brady. We'll talk about uh, Denver a little bit more on the week four preview against the Jets. But um, one of the cool things that I'm seeing is this linebacker duo. I know you drafted Devin White since we do defensive players in our fantasy league. But, man, Levante David and Devin White, they are making 
plays side by side together. Uh, this is, I think, one of the best duos to come as far as linebackers in the NFL. And I don't think it's close right now. I love this defense, man. Um, I love the components on offense, too. This is a scary team that no one wanted to, to label scary. Uh, I, they're scary, dude. <laughs> Simply put, uh, hey, there's another team that they were once scary when they were called Monsters of the Midway. The Bears at Falcons. Hey, it finally happened. Well, Chicago stormed back after changing from Mitch Trubisky to Nick Foles. They won 30-26. to 26. Atlanta, two weeks in a row, they blew a big lead. Uh, last week was Dallas. This week was Chicago. They got the jump start that they feel they needed. Nick Foles, uh, dude, let's hear it. Yeah, well, at least I guess the I guess right on the Trubisky and Foles scenario, but Mitch got worse throughout this game there's no really there's really no other way to put it um we saw some some uh good things over the past two games but mostly questionable um didn't really hold it through this game under 60 percent completion percentage again and only 128 yards before he was pulled in the third quarter Foles steps in and does his thing tossing three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to earn the comeback win should have been a fourth touchdown if Allen Robinson is able to wrestle away a 50-50 ball from Denard in the end zone, but we'll just leave it at that. But Foles played really well under pressure. That's just what he does. And he earned the starting nod for week four. He got it. I'm happy for him. I think it's the right move. In my opinion, this is exactly what Chicago needed to be a real playoff contender. I foresee an uptick for all skilled possessions in this offense. Um, the Falcons are just running out of ways to get worse every week. It, this is bad. This is the second time in a row they have been stamped by next gen with a 98% win probability at some point in the game and end up losing. Their offense came to a halt in the second half. Matt Ryan only had 29 pass yards in the third quarter and zero passing yards in the fourth quarter up until the two-minute warning. And he capped the quarter off with only 36 yards and a miscommunication interception throwing to Ridley on that final drive. It's going to be tough to ask an interim head coach to lead a team that has their chins stuck to their chests going into Lambeau Field on a Monday night. But after that loss in Lambeau, Dan, Bo Dan Quinn, he has to be out, right? I don't know, man. I mean, no Julio Jones. Russell Gage gets concussed. Kicker gets injured, out for several weeks. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's a tough call. I, it, it, what I do know is they finished last year very strong. And sometimes you just need a little luck. Um, but your guess is as good as mine as, as far as how much time they're going to give Dan Quinn. I like him. He may be better suited as a DC, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I just think Atlanta needs more talent. And, and when you point to the talent, it usually means a general manager. So, I mean, 
you know, the GM is going to save his job first. So he, they might go that route eventually. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they'll probably win more if they keep Dan Quinn as opposed to going with some interim like Dirk Cutter, who was the OC for them before, went to the rival Buccaneers, gave that a shot, didn't work, and came back. I don't know. If, if they buy that, then sure, why not? I just don't see that correcting uh, the issues of blowing leads and and correcting a defense that's struggling either. Um, I mean, you think I'm far off there? No, I get it. I just think we've seen this this play way too many times. Yes, Gage was injured. Yes, no Julio. Kicker got hurt. At the same time, when you look at the scenario, they should have still won that game. It's all on the defense, which we know Dan Quinn is heading. So the offense isn't an issue, although it does tend to halt in the third and fourth quarters, not scoring nearly enough points, not earning nearly enough yards. But eventually someone's going to have to take a fall and, and losing those two games being completely inept on defense it has to say something that's very true man uh i guess we'll have our answer sooner than later if that trend continues with all the l's um all right washington at cleveland the browns they took care of business uh you don't get to hear that too often they take care of business 34 to 20 uh this game had a scoring trend perhaps you know Washington seems like had a better game plan going into each half, and it looks like Cleveland had better adjustments. Washington scored seven in the first quarter and 13 in the third. Cleveland ended both halves well, scoring 17 in the second and 17 in the final frame. Dwayne Haskins, he, you know, he threw his first picks, first three picks of the season. He also got sack stripped by no surprise, Miles Garrett, Cleveland, they go on to score 24 of their 34 points off turnovers. I mean, you're going to win. You're going to win games when you force turnovers. Uh, Baker Mayfield, his first game of the year without a turnover. So things were going Cleveland's way, uh, at least in week three. Uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they combined for 35 carries. We know what their identity is or what they're striving to be. It worked this week against Washington, I know, but it worked. They got the job done, took care of business. And a couple weeks ago, we threw out players to check out. Scotty Miller, he scored a touchdown. Um, I mean, he had 83 yards through this week. Uh, that was a player you pointed out. The guy I pointed out was more of a you know long-term look, but it was tight end Harrison Bryant of the Browns. Threw his name out as a player to watch down the road, and he was targeted in the end zone last week when Baker threw a pick. Uh, this week, he's mostly blocking again in the Browns' O as the second tight end. He comes away with a short touchdown. So I was kind of doing a little touchdown celebration when I saw that, not going to lie. Um, uh, on the flip side, I was a little bummed out. Uh, second overall pick for Washington, Chase Young. He's been playing so well, man. High motor. Very talented, looks like a man amongst boys, and he's only a rookie. Uh, he left, he didn't play the second half due to a groin injury. Um, 
I don't know how much time he's missing. I haven't seen the news on that yet. Uh, so far this year, two and a half sacks. Um, we know who the who Washington is, and if anything, they can't afford to lose defenders. Uh, I, I'm, I'm already a Chase Young fan. I just had to see him play in the NFL. Um, did you see anything in this game that uh, that made you believe in the Browns, or is it just a game against Washington? Yeah, those two of my boys already. You know, my Ohio State fan. You mentioned Jeff Okuda and the other game. Uh, getting that pick, and then Chase Young in this game. Both players look like they're ready for the NFL. Um, one thing that stood out to me, first game, Cleveland obviously takes home a loss. Baker was 39 in pass attempts. I'm going uh, to give credit to Stefanski here, realizing strengths and weaknesses. They completely flipped the script in games two and three. Exactly the same stat line, 16 completions out of 23 attempts in both games, weeks two and three for Baker, exactly 69%, uh, 69.57% on the completion rate uh, instead of 53% the first week. So I think they found the recipe here, take the ball out of Baker's hands. He's good enough to manage a game just like a lot of the veteran quarterbacks out there, just like a lot of the rookie quarterbacks out there, you just can't ask him to to do too much. You know, he's prone to turnovers. You mentioned first game without a turnover, and they win big. So keep it in Nick Chubb's hands. Keep it in Kareem Hunt's hands. I think Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the NFL. He is making a statement. He's going off early in this uh, first quarter of the season. Um, Cleveland. I'm not really sure yet. I think they have to do a little more. Obviously, Washington, not that great of a powerhouse or expected to be this year. Same thing with Cincinnati and rookie Burrow and the lack of talent on that defense. So we'll see when they go over um, a little bit tougher portions of their schedule later in the year. Absolutely. Overdue Carolina at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Panthers' strong first half notches their first victory. 21 to 16. They forced four turnovers on the day. Teddy Bridge, 22 of 28, only six incompletions. Very efficient. And, dude, I know we like what we see out of Justin Herbert. I see the 330 yards, 35 completions. Uh, we expect the roller coaster, and that's what we got. Uh, we, you know, he threw a pick and a touchdown, but he threw the pick and he lost a fumble. Granted, you know, it's part of it. It's part of it. But it doesn't help when Keenan Allen and Joshua Kelly also lose fumbles. That just makes it a tough day for your team, let alone having a rookie quarterback. Uh, you know, I I see the Chargers and I think they're gonna stick with him. I think they should. Uh I I, I just think it's tough luck for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, to keep it simple there, um, what did you see in this one? Yeah, this was almost exactly how I thought this game would go. Veteran Teddy Bridgewater finding a way to slip through an ailing defense, but a great defense nonetheless. Carolina took advantage of some costly hiccups by two Charger rookies, which kept their offense on the field early. Not really an impressive performance offensively from Carolina, 
but they didn't have any self-inflicted wounds. So that's key. Zero turnovers and only three penalties on the road. I thought I would see a lot more from this group early in the offseason. I've been talking of Joe Brady and uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Obviously, they're missing one of their biggest offensive focus pieces in McCaffrey, but I'm going to still give it some time to grow. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater did his thing. He was poised. He avoided pressure, and he always found the right target. Herbert is slowly but surely making progress. He's just going through the rookie growing pains. He had a lost fumble, dropping too deep in the pocket. That led to three points. He also threw a pick late into zone coverage, shading the outside. And Joshua Kelly also coughed up a ball. So that being said, he still made big-time throws, super athletic plays throughout the course of the game. It's becoming a lot more obvious why the Chargers drafted him in the first round. I think his arm is actually underrated. Chargers committed a stupid special teams penalty during a Panthers field goal that gave the Panthers fresh set of downs and their first and only touchdown of the day. The final drive, though, Justin Herbert rose to the occasion again. He took what the defense gave him. He was moving very well, avoiding pressure, and they almost pulled off the hook and ladder for the win. I believe there is more to be impressed with on the Chargers side, even with a loss holding Carolina to five field goals. Just wait until Herbert gets rolling in this offense. I'll understand if it goes back to Tyrod to give him a fair shot, but I'm sure you guys see it. There's something different with this offense when Herbert's in there. I think Herbert is here to stay, and it's his role before midseason. My guess specifically is week six. Hmm. All right. All right. Got some QB changes going on in this league. All right, dude. Again, close to the home for me. Cincinnati at Philadelphia. Look, the Bengals show promise while Philly shows warts. Overtime tie, 23-23. The weird matchup I mentioned in the preview results in a second overtime tie between these two teams. In the past dozen years, there is so much to like about Joe Burrow, though. Uh, Even the struggles, he keeps coming back, stands in that pocket, or he's on the move, making plays, man. Uh, There's just so much to like about Burrow. Can't speak highly enough about him after three weeks. Uh, At one point, I think he completed 12 passes in a row. He looked to be in full command, going 31-44, 312 yards and a couple scores. I loved it. Even even if he's on the other side, well, we analyze, we do our thing. And I, I'm a big Burrow guy. And I'm kind of glad I drafted him in fantasy, to be honest. Uh, the, the tough thing to watch is his O-line and lack of ground game. The guy is, he's kind of running for his life all day, every week. The positive, he's got an array of weapons to do it. Tyler Boyd becoming one of the most consistent slot receivers 10 catches for a buck 25. The Rook T. Higgins grabbed a pair of TDs. Gio Bernard had a big catch. Here's where they hit a halt, which is which is fine. I mean, they were in the game. They could have won the game. But Darius Slay, uh, cap off to him. He did a good job against A.J. Green. Limited five catches to 36 yards in shadow coverage. 
The Eagles defense hustled for eight sacks with constant pressure up the middle, 10 tackles for a loss. Joe Mixon couldn't go anywhere. Brandon Graham had a big second half. Carson Wentz in the offense. That's probably the story of this game from a Philly perspective. It struggled yet again. Tough when Deshaun Jackson and Dallas Goddard leave, but I'd consider it a good sign from Wentz, who ran nine times for 65 yards and the game-tying touchdown with 21 seconds left. Whether Doug Peterson stopped calling run plays because that's what he does, or if Miles Sanders was really tired, as the coach stated in his press conference, Sanders needed to touch the damn ball more. 18 carries for 95 yards. Should have used him more in the fourth and overtime. But I get it. You're grading the quarterback. Wentz did miss him on the left sideline. He beat the linebacker. If he doesn't go for a touchdown, they certainly get into field goal range near the end of regulation to win that game. Fast forward to overtime, 19 seconds left. The Eagles elect to punt. I got to tell you this much. No one wants to see that, but with how that O-line played and Jason Peters getting injured, Wentz probably wouldn't have had any time to even throw a Hail Mary. With the Bengals' Carl Lawson, he might have gotten a third sack there, maybe a strip, or, you know, put the Bengals in close enough to get, like, one first down, and they're in field goal range to win that game. So maybe Doug P. did the right thing there. I know it's highly suspect. Uh, You want to chime in on that one, dude? Yeah, we talked about it shortly. I think it was the right call. Like you said, Carl Lawson maybe have gotten a third sack, but even if he didn't, if you turn the ball over to Joe Burrow, he was moving that offense. All he needed to do was get one big chunk first down or maybe two short first downs, and it's a game. So instead of putting your team in that position, um, everyone else is suffering losses in the division, so might as well not take a loss and take a tie. It sounds ridiculous, but you got to play the game. I mean, we've seen this team come back uh, through tough times last year and still make the playoffs. Doesn't really look like the Dallas Cowboys are that promising this year. And we know the other two teams will probably be out of the hunt uh, within the next few weeks. So, Hey, it's not a popular opinion, but I would agree with that call. Yeah, in all likelihood, the winner of the NFC East is going to be the fourth seed, no matter what their record is. (laughs) So, um, yeah, Philly and the Giants have zero wins. Cowboys and Washington, they have one. So, like it or not, that division is going to be up for grabs probably until the end of the season, uh, which is kind of the norm for the East. Over in the AFC, the New York Jets, they travel to the Indianapolis Colts. It was a blowout, 36 to 7, not even close. Uh, I'm not even sure we should be talking about this. It was an ugly game. It was lopsided. I did see – there was one thing I'll comment on. I did see these teams only convert three third downs each. Uh, When I look at the Colts, I consider that a concern. But, hey, they got a blowout victory. They took care of business. I I just – Drew, 
I know I told you in the draft, Jonathan Taylor was my favorite back in that draft class. I know you're high on him and you have him in fantasy football. He, he should be doing a lot better, but there was no off season. I'll give him a little bit of a pass here. It's just that usually running backs have a smoother transition than other positions. Uh, I think he'll gain steam here, uh, especially behind that offensive line. Uh, but just wanted to share. It's a guy we both like, uh, He's leaving a lot of yards on that field right now. Yeah, I would actually agree with you. And and the fact is, I think teams are catching on to what the identity here is for the Colts. I think they understand what they're trying to do with protecting Phillip Rivers, trying to turn him into a savvy game manager. He can still make the plays, but he's not – you shouldn't be making anywhere from 30 to 35 or 40 attempts a game. So I, I think they understand, especially with Mac out that Jonathan Taylor is the next one up and with how strong this offensive line produces in the run game, I think teams are focusing on slowing down that portion of the offense. I think either, even then I think he's talented enough to, to overcome that. And later in the year, once everything gets clicking, I think they find their first, second and third receivers, which honestly could be Mo Ali Cox at this point, but we've seen some ups and downs from uh, T.Y. Hilton. So I'm not sure what that is, um, but we've seen the rookie uh, make some plays. Uh, we definitely talked about him coming out of college. So mostly I think the Colts did what they were supposed to do for this game. They came in as the number one defense Certainly showed out. They converted two pick sixes, three interceptions total, and allowed only one touchdown from the Jets. They held the Jets' offense to a 23% conversion rate on third and fourth downs combined. And I just said, I don't know, maybe Mo Ali Cox is the number one receiving threat in Indy. It sure likes it. He leads all receivers and tight ends in yards, receptions, and touchdowns. He also was the one that caught Phillip Rivers' 400th career passing touchdown. So congrats to Phillip Rivers. Um, Colts took advantage of an offense in desperate need of some notable skill players. This is their brand. Control the game with their running backs, rushing and receiving. You got Rivers to manage the game, minimize his turnovers, and just let the defense eat. Despite the three turnovers by Sam Darnold, he was still clearly the only offensive player of note on Sunday. The Jets' first and only score of the day came with two amazing scrambles in that drive by Sam Darnold under immense pressure, showing off athleticism. He rushed for a first down with the first scramble, and then on the second one, he threw a beautiful touchdown on the run to Braxton Berrios versus man coverage at the front pylon. After that, it was all downhill. Uh, seven penalties for the game and only 151 net pass yards. Not sure how much longer I can stand to watch these games involving the New York Jets, but I will do it for the diehards, so you are welcome. Dude, damn. I And, and I can't believe the Jets went 7-9 and nine last year. Uh, well, shout out to Xavier Rhodes. Two picks on the day, one of them to the house. TJ Carey, the other pick, to the crib as well. Tough day, tough season for Sam Darnold. We'll see how long Adam Gase lasts. Uh, at least the guy they traded Jamal Adams for, Bradley McDougal, the safety, he led them with 10 tackles. And then over for the Colts, Darius Leonard, who was my pick for Defense Player of the Year, he gets his second game with double-digit tackles. So there you go. 
All right. The last game of week three that we're going over. San Francisco Giants. San Francisco 49ers at the New York Giants. The Niners didn't miss a beat with backup QB Nick Mullins for an easy 36-9 win. Kyle Shanahan, we know he's fantastic. It's as simple as that. A blowout win on the road, undermanned and all, just masterful. Rookie Brandon Ayuk, guy you like, shined on his eight touches. He got a score, went over the century mark. I kind of thought he would do that last week. That's why I picked him up off the waiver wire. Didn't happen. Does it a week later. It's all good, Brandon. Uh, But, hey, I'm not going to go overboard with Nick Mullins in his 300-yard game. I am a fan of his, one of my favorite backups. A couple years ago, he had to play, and I liked what he showed, so I'm glad he took advantage of this opportunity to start again. And, look, not to get carried away, I just want to put this out there. If he were to play well and the Niners were to go on a winning streak, Jimmy Garoppolo has two years remaining on his deal, but only a cap hit of under three mil next year, one mil the following year. I bring this up because this is the third time he's been injured in a Niners uniform. Even if unlikely, you just never know. I mean, it's it's a week-to-week league. You catch fire. I mean, Dak Prescott replaced Tony Romo, things like that. They just happen. It's all part of the game. Uh, we're seeing Tyrod Taylor. He it's His lung punctured by a doctor. Insert Justin Herbert. That's not the way the Chargers saw that situation playing out. So these things can be unpredictable. Uh, Over on the other side, a team that replaced the quarterback last year, Daniel Jones is the guy, the good news. Uh, They've already played Pittsburgh, Chicago, and San Francisco, and those defenses, they're all in the rear view now on the schedule. That's a tough start for any offense, any quarterback, and any new coaching staff. The bad news? With Saquon Barkley out and a so-so O-line at the very best, Jones led the team in rushing, wasn't even close, and they're going to be one-dimensional all season long. It won't be a reflection necessarily on Devontae Freeman, but he should be happy to have a team in a role. So he wasn't on a team a week ago. Uh, The Giants, they should thank Graham Gano for making all three of his field goals, scoring all nine of their points or else they wouldn't even be on the scoreboard. Um, And then, you know, just a little recognition to the Giants' defense. I know they got blown out. It's a winless team. I actually see improvement here. They got nine and a half tackles for a loss. That's a freaking lot. Eight hits on the quarterback and seven passes defended. I see some fight. I see some improvement on that side of the ball for the G-men. Anything to add there, man? Yeah, that was stupid what I did, putting money on the Niners and just picking the Giants to win. I don't know what I was thinking there. Obviously, know what it's like to go against Kyle Shanahan, no matter what quarterback or running back is set to start for the offense. He proved it once again. It's a great offense that he runs. It's so multiple. It's so hard to defend. I mean, the quarterbacks just look ready every single week, no matter who it is. Good job by Shanahan, man. Yeah, man. Uh, Work of art as a play caller. All right. That'll do it for the week three takeaways that we came up with. Um, 
I always have fun doing them. I know you do as well. And uh, we can cut out right after we do a Thursday night football preview. I'm not sure how many of you listening to this, watching this or whatever, are actually going to watch this primetime game. It's the Denver Broncos at the New York Jets. You know we'll be watching. So if, if you got other things to do, I get it. Don't worry. We got you covered. It's a game between winless teams in the AFC. Uh, Denver, they're favored, but their quarterback is Brett Ripien. I mean, his uncle, Mark, played in the NFL. Uh, that's what I know about him, to be honest. Uh, he gets to start with Drew Locke injured and Jeff Driscoll going to the bench. He actually did get played some playing time last week against Tampa Bay in that loss. He was in on the final drive. Uh, and I know they signed Blake Bortles, but Coach Fangio says it's unrealistic to expect him to be an option this soon. And we should all get that. Uh, I do think it's a quick plug on Driscoll, a backup I like. Uh, it's a struggling offense where the Buccaneers have one of the better defenses in the league. Either way, the QB, whoever it is this week, next week, whatever, he's going to be running for his life. And, I mean, their only hope is to get any type of run game going. I kind of don't see that happening. Uh, last week, Driscoll was sacked a handful of times. So, I mean, this next guy, Ripien, is going to be behind the eight ball. Uh, but, you know, if you're a Broncos fan, it's a good chance for Noah Font, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, those young guys to get more targets coming their way, perhaps playing from behind. Maybe not this week against the Jets, but more weeks than not. And it's a plus matchup uh, as far as passing offense goes. Uh, when you look at the Jets, I mean, they scored a first quarter touchdown last week. Hey, that, that counts for something. That was about it for the offense. They had a pick six, a safety. Look, at least they get their bookend tackles back for prime time. Jamison Crowder back in the lineup. And I got to give a little credit to the defense. No receiver or running back on the Colts last week reached 60 yards. So that, that shouldn't get overlooked. I know you may not be a Jets uh, believer. I mean, they did win seven games last year. Maybe there's some fight in them. I don't know. Um, as far as this game, the best unit I see on that field, easily Denver's defense. Uh, I see them getting their first win of the year. They just have more talent on both sides of the ball, man. Yeah, Denver's defense is, is what I was looking at and more of the, the uh, veteran coaching staff versus the Jets offensively for both teams. There's nothing to write home about. I mean, Nothing. And I want to like the Jets here at home because of Sam Darnold, but this will come down to basically team versus team. And Sam just doesn't have the supporting cast. Two players, I think, that are keeping the Jets afloat besides Darnold, according to ESPN ranks, defensive tackle Quinn and Williams is actually the number eight most effective at his position, stopping the run. And rookie Makai Becton is the number nine O tackle at his position versus the pass rush. So aside from that, I got nothing else for the Jets. Uh, for as much as Tampa Bay had the ball versus Denver last week, they were held under 70 yards rushing, under 300 yards passing. They are the seventh youngest team in the league, but they're the third lowest in penalties. So great coaching job again by Fangio. 
Um, the Jets, they have the ninth most penalties. The Broncos are the 10th best defense on third downs. Jets are 20th. Again, Denver is the number seven team against the run, and the Jets give up the ninth most yards. And finally, the Broncos are pretty tough to score on. Number 12 in points allowed, and the Jets give up the fifth most points in the league. I'm just going based off of important stats. I look at situations. I'm going to go with the defense for Denver. I think they can hold them. Tough to score on them. I know they're on the road, but I'm going to trust a veteran coaching a veteran coach team over a so-so questionable Adam Gase. I got Denver in this one. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much that. Um, you know what, diehards? Let me apologize on behalf of the National Football League for the primetime slate we have this week. Uh, Thursday is Denver. The Denver Broncos <laughs> at the New York Jets. Uh, Sunday night is the Philadelphia Eagles at the San Francisco 49ers. I will double down and apologize on that on behalf of my team as well. And then Monday night, there's the Atlanta Falcons at the Green Bay Packers. So I get it. You're, you're probably going to be glued to your screen on Sunday and yeah, yeah, might not care about the primetime games. Again, we got you covered. Uh, if I have to give you some games of the week uh, to, to finish on a high note here, uh, this one might be ugly, but these are two of the better teams right now. Pittsburgh at Tennessee. I'll be tuning into that one. Uh, another interesting one, I mean, New England at Kansas City. Depends on how you view the Patriots. Uh, you might be higher on them than Drew and I are. And um, those are probably the two better games of the week. And, you know, stay tuned. Later in the week, we will give you our week four preview. Drew, is there a game that you're most excited for that I mentioned or maybe didn't mention? Uh, you know, oddly enough, oddly enough, I'm kind of liking this uh, Jaguars and Bengals matchup. Two young quarterbacks, um, both quarterbacks that I like. Jaguars at the Bengals. And another one I'm kind of looking at, you mentioned the Steelers and the Titans. We know the Steelers are prone to kind of playing to their competition. Um, Titans are a playoff team, but uh, something scary about that matchup for the Steelers, especially on the road. But one thing that I will like to see is the Chargers at the Buccaneers. We've seen the Chargers defense hold par against some teams. They have a tough matchup against Tom Brady. So uh, those are a couple of the games that I'm looking for. And there we have it, diehards. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening to our madness. Um, Hey, we'd love to hear any of your fantasy football questions, your NFL favorite team questions, whatever it may be. You 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 bring them, uh, we'll get to them. Absolutely. Um, alrighty. Well, thanks for listening, diehards. We will see you on our week four preview. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>